You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Welcome back to yet another episode of Beside the Badge. My name is Paul Buckner. I am your host, civilian police chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Wanted to talk about a couple of quick things before we get started. Um, so this is actually, I think, my 15th episode and uh, something like that. I'd have to look. And very, very exciting because um, this is the fourth in a series talking about our priorities. But I wanted to go through a couple of different details. So number one, um, behind me, if you're watching this, is my podcast set. And so I have some soundproofing up and I'm actually adding some more soundproofing and it's getting more elaborate over time. It's really exciting. And there are things behind me that are symbolic uh, of things that matter in my life that mean a lot to me. And some folks have begun to ask what particular, what, what does this item mean? Or I've tried to, I've tried to screenshot your podcast and blow it up and see what that is. What is that? And so I will be posting those on Facebook and eventually the Instagrams to kind of talk about what those things mean to me. Each one of them has a, a meaning or is something that I enjoy. So uh, there's that. Secondly, um, I'd like to know where you're listening from. Over time behind me, if you're listening, you can't see this, but there is a, a, a corkboard map of the continental United States. And I don't know what I'm going to do for, for um, uh, Hawaii and Alaska. Uh, but, um, we'll see, right. Uh, over time, I'll eventually have them up here as well as I get people listening in Alaska and, uh, Hawaii. If you're from Alaska and Hawaii and you're listening, let me know. Um, I am located in the state of Missouri. And so wherever you are located, will you please reach out to me through social media and let me know I am on the Facebooks, uh, as well as, uh, the Instagrams. So, uh, let me know. And then if you would like to send me a departmental patch, I've got folks starting to reach out to me and say, Hey, uh, I noticed you've got some holes on your wall and I'd like to put some patches up there. And to begin with, I will have patches behind me. And, uh, over time more and more, uh, they're going to move off to my left. So there'll be times that some of the older patches will be off to my left. And, uh, I have several departments up behind me that I've actually worked directly as their chaplain or worked with, uh, members of their department. But if, if what I do has meant something to you, please reach out to me. Number one, let me know where you listen. It's very encouraging to me. I, I look forward to the day that perhaps we have people listening in every state in the union. Uh, that interests me a lot. Uh, secondly, I, I guess it's just encouraging to me. But if you... If you find that something I've said has meant something, you've taken gold nuggets away from something I've said, please share it. Um, oftentimes we let valuable resources go and we don't share them. And the nice thing about a podcast is it can be shared indefinitely, infinitely. And um, it's it's a resource kind of like love that that can keep on going. Love is one of those things that you can be full of and never give it all away. And uh, if, if something I have said has meant something to you, would you share that episode with a loved one, somebody beside the badge, um, someone who is, um, someone who is uh, an officer that maybe something I have said you think might be something they would enjoy. And uh, I also get to wear shirts that are kind of cool from time to time. This is one of my favorite shirts. It says, in my defense, uh, I was left unsupervised. And uh, I used to wear this shirt a lot doing maintenance at my church. 
Uh, I ran a maintenance at my last church for a long, long time, and I would wear this shirt a lot when I was painting and doing different things because it kind of, uh, it kind of fit what I was doing. But anyway, I'm going to take a coffee sip break. Oh, yeah. So getting down to business, we are talking about, again, the fourth part of a series about keeping our priorities straight. For me, that is being a man of God, then being a husband, then being a father, and ultimately being my brother's keeper. And what does that mean? It's easy to say. Um, and it actually, the saying actually goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Uh, Cain and Abel, two brothers, uh, get into a disagreement, hatred starts, and one brother slays the other, the first murder recorded in biblical history. And it's one of those very, very interesting things. That's where we we come from, that all the way back there, where, uh, as the story goes, God turns to uh, God turns to Cain and says, where's your brother? And of course, God knew. And then Abel turns, or Abel, uh, Cain turns around and says, I don't know, is, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer to that is yes. And that's where we get the concept of being a brother's keeper. And for us as men, a lot of times when we say, I am my brother's keeper, you'll see that on the leathers of, of biker gangs or biker clubs, uh, motorcycle clubs. But we oftentimes, as people who have been in the military uh, or people who are in the law enforcement world, we will say, I am my brother's keeper. And it's easy to go, well, I'm a brother's keeper. I've got his back if there's ever danger. Um, we had an incident in my area years ago where I got a call from a friend in, in my neighborhood, which I live rurally. So like my, my next closest neighbor is about a quarter mile away, uh, which I really like. And uh, I got a, a call and there were several of us up and down the valley in, in, this, in this same area. Um, one, of the, one of our friends had contacted us and said, hey, there's people in my house. I, I'm having a home invasion right now. He had come home and people were in his home. And um, they had called the sheriff's department, uh, called 911, and there were no deputies available. And this has happened to me several times in my life. This is one of those things that happens in a rural area where there is not a lot of law enforcement. There's a reason it's called the Thin Blue Line. And so I turned to my wife and I said, he's not going to go through this alone. And three of us showed up and I got there right as they flushed uh, the bad guys out the back door. I was there within about a minute, I think, of when they went out the back door. And when they realized they were in my friend's home, they were between him and his firearm. He could not get to his firearm. He was outside. And the dispatcher basically had to tell him, you know, her, her best advice, and I understand why she gave it, was for him not to try to go back in the house. And he's like, this is my stuff. This is my home. This is sacred to me. I'm not going to let these people just invade my home. And we got there um, and they realized they needed to get the heck out of Dodge. And we were armed and we were going to defend our friend. He was not going to go through this alone. And so that is that is an aspect of being our brother's keeper. That's that thing where you have your friends back and people are like, oh, you know, that's being a brother's keeper. But it's so much more than that. Um, in the law enforcement world, dealing with stress, coping with stress, dealing with PTSD, having seen terrible things, it used to be that people would say, man, I, I don't have a coping mechanism. I go home and drink. Um, I have even known of officers and visited with officers who turned to illegal drugs. And here are men and women who are supposed to be 
taking these things off the street and they themselves are resorting to uh, illegal illegally taking prescription medication or illegally taking narcotics or the like to cope with their stress no that's not healthy that's extremely destructive and there's a reason that these things are illegal to begin with or are very closely guarded you know you have to have a prescription there's a reason that these things are a problem and so I had a, a conversation with a gentleman who was part of the admin, the administration of his police department. And he, he said, there's this young cop that has seen some, some terrible things. I don't know what to tell him. He's like, I was talking to him and basically just told him to suck it up, buttercup, because he said, I realize I don't have healthy coping mechanisms for what I've seen. And so I can't give him advice because I myself have seen terrible things and I don't know what to do with them. And as I was listening to this, we, we, he and I had a great conversation and, and he's gone on to retire out of law enforcement now. And every time I see him, he's just grinning ear to ear. But if we don't have positive coping mechanisms, we need to learn them. And I've talked about that in other episodes. It will be an ongoing topic because of the terrible things that you guys see behind the badge. But he couldn't give something away that he didn't have. And so so first and foremost you have to have positive coping mechanisms or develop them look for people who seem to have it together that they have a healthy marriage look for people that have healthy healthy habits and hobbies and find people that can help you to be your brother's keeper then if you are in a squared away position where you are doing well it is not just your job to give fto style advice that can protect a young officer and keep them from from pitfall pitfalls but it is your also your job to be your brother's keeper and this concept goes back um, into ancient times but think of a a spartan army you know a a macedonian greek army uh getting ready to go into battle think of a roman army or even or even modern swat if you turned to one of them and said hey um where's your shield they'd go oh my gosh i'm about to go into battle without a shield where's your sword where's your helmet there are things that we need emotionally and mentally to help us to get through things. And I don't mean suppressing things. I mean, letting them out. We need to have an environment in the law enforcement world that allows people to be real and to say, I saw this terrible thing and it haunts me. Um, and as a chaplain, I get to have those conversations, but not every department has a chaplain and there aren't enough chaplains to go around to begin with. We need healthy friendships and we need to be checking in on our brothers and sisters behind the badge that is a very scary situation when i talk to people and um, alcoholism is a thing that runs rampant in some aspects of law enforcement uh, because people there's a frat type mentality about drinking to begin with um, i've seen i've seen alcohol destroy multiple careers some of it, I think, is the fact that we have addictive personalities out there. I, I have an addictive personality. It's why I don't drink um, and uh, I don't smoke. I don't chew tobacco. There's a lot of things I don't do because I have an addictive personality. Um, I'm a lot of fun and I don't need my, because of my relationship with God and my outlook on life. I don't need those things. And I have seen some truly terrible things in life. I have moved dead bodies. I've watched people die. But um we need to develop cope not only do we need to develop positive coping mechanisms as people but we also need
to be checking in on our brothers and sisters. If somebody's drinking themselves to sleep, we need to be checking on them and helping them. And we need to turn this around to the point that people are like, oh, it, it, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to go. I literally pulled a, a dead body out of the water of a small child. Um, I literally held this person as they died. And I get emotional even thinking about the conversations I've had with people who've anguished for years over something. Um, in the law enforcement world, if you're not law enforcement, it's hard to understand that you will drive as fast as you possibly can, putting your own self at risk, people not pulling over, getting out of your way, um, and people people acting like you're some kind of an idiot speed demon. Now, there are police officers out there who are idiot speed demons, but acting like when you're running code that you're a, an annoyance and a nuisance and you're trying to get as law enforcement somewhere to protect people, to save someone, um, or EMS deals with this, fire deals with this, you can have guilt of, well, I took that wrong road and I got there late and maybe that's why that person didn't make it. Or, you know, dispatch couldn't guide me in or I lost radio communication with my partner. Um, my partner was in a pursuit and I wasn't there and he or she got hurt. Um, these are very real things that people deal with and they need to be talked about. We are human beings and no matter how high speed you are, you are not Superman. You are not superhuman, um, but you may still be a superhero. You, you can be an incredible human being and you can change lives and you can do great things in your time behind the badge, but you are not supernatural. I've met a couple of officers that were alarmingly good at what they did. Um, I've met a couple of officers that in a fight, they are human wrecking balls and they can, they can take bad guys down in a hurry when bad guys are raging on drugs and out of control and four and five officers couldn't could not stop them. I've seen officers that seem to be able to tap into a whole other level. Okay, you might be a superhero, but you're not superhuman and you and you still are going to deal with things. I have talked to officers that have had nightmares for years um, whose spouses couldn't sleep in the bed in the same bed with them because they would have these nightmares dealing with things that they were that they were struggling with. Forgiveness is a big part of that. Being able to look at a situation, forgive yourself, forgive others. Uh, look at a situation and say, this happened to me, but it won't define me. That's one of the most powerful things that I've ever learned uh, in my walk with the Lord was from my, my late pastor and friend and a friend of 21 years and uh, literally half my life at this point. And he taught me a lot before he passed away. But one of the things that he taught me is that when we've dealt with trauma, abuse, uh, something that damaged us, something that could cause PTSD. We have to be able to look at that and say, this happened to Paul Buckner. This happened to me. It will not define me. And we have to be able to forgive, maybe forgive that person that didn't jump into the fight. And now you can't feel part of your hand for the rest of your life because that person danced around the outside of the fight and wouldn't commit. Forgive them. For unforgiveness is a prison that you live in. It's not one that the other person lives in. And, it, you know, another saying is that, you know, unforgiveness is drinking poison, a little bit of poison every day and waiting for the other person to die. It doesn't work that way. And um, when you when you are set free, it's like a huge weight is lifted off of you. It's a cliche, but it's so true. And I, I am not a naturally forgiving person, but I've learned it's good for me. And the word of God happens to tell me that unless I forgive, I cannot be forgiven. And I would 
prefer to be forgiven by God and I'd prefer to go to heaven. So me being a, a born-again Christian, a, a believer in God, I come from that aspect and that angle. If you don't, I understand. No harm, no foul. But I make no apology for my belief. And so being, where am I going with all this, right? Being your brother's keeper. It's easy to say, I've got your back. And, and to a degree, it's even easy to mean it. But at the same time, being your brother's keeper is so much more. So I, I'm going to go back to what we think of as the, the almost the cliche brother's keeper. I have been with officers before that had no backup. And with many of the departments that I chaplain, I'm allowed to ride armed. Some I'm not. Um, out at the dinner table, standing in the parking lot of the police department, I, I have the honor in, in my home county, every single police department knows me and respects my skill sets and and is like you you go armed um, into our department some of them i'm not able to be armed in their in their in their vehicles um but i'm allowed to be armed in their department um, we go out to dinner together and the expectation is that i'm armed i've even had police officers turn to me and say um i know you're not gonna like this but i'm not armed today because i look at them and i'm like you make enemies for a living and you're not carrying off duty holy cow but they're like i'm I'm, uh, I'm not armed right now and I know how well you shoot, so you're the one facing the door. Um, you've got my back today. Well, that's part of being your brother's keeper, by the way, is having, is, is having your head on a swivel and being looking around and, and not fearfully constantly searching the crowd, but just keeping your head on a swivel. It's part of how I live. It's part of how I'm wired. It's part of how I'm trained. But part of the, the oorah, you know, he-man way of having your, your, your brother's back, your brother or sister's back, uh, and being your brother's keeper is literally to protect them physically. And that's the one that I think as law enforcement people often get right. Um, they may have petty disagreements. Um, I've talked about that in other episodes, sometimes alarmingly so. I've seen friendships ruined over some pretty petty things. But, and, and by the way, that is something that needs to be forgiven and moved on from. But I've also seen those very same people that can't stand each other on a normal day-to-day -day basis that would fight to the death for that person. And that is one aspect of, of law enforcement that I think that resonates with a lot of people. The same with, with military is they talk about blue family. They talk about in, in this family, no one fights alone. Well, it can be a very dysfunctional family, but they definitely love each other. And they're, that is one of the things that I think a lot of people look at, and especially as men, and we go, yes, I get that. As men, we need this sense of camaraderie, this sense of brotherhood. We come from, our mindset is one of respect, that I respect your skill sets and I, and I crave and desire respect. Uh, the same way that women, they say to each other things that are that are typically loving. They can, of course, women can be very petty and backbiting and snide, but um, you listen to women talk to each other. Oh my gosh, I love your hair, your purse, your shoes. I love the way that you. I love the way that you you take care of your kids. I think it's so cool how you guys have been married for twenty years. I love the fact that you guys have this happy marriage. That's the way women talk to women. The way that a man's psyche and a man's world work is based on respect. And th there is really no greater compliment that I could give another man personally than the fact that I would trust him with my, with my money, my wife, or my life. I would trust him not to steal my money. If I left him every dime I had and had to leave, I would trust him. I would trust him to protect my wife uh, and family and not make a pass at my wife. And I would trust him to have my back in a firefight. I would trust him to have my back. And I've... I've got friends that I literally, um, we, had an, we had a situation once where I had to create a safe house 
and I got a phone call. There was a, a woman in danger. I had to create a safe house in a matter of hours. And I called someone and two days later he called me back. I had left a message and I sent him a text like, call me ASAP, life or death. I left him that kind of a text. Two days later, I don't call him if I need something uh, really at all. Um, love the guy, but I don't call him. That said, if, but there was another gentleman who I got a hold of and I knew that he had a really close friend that was extremely squared away. And with the blessing of local law enforcement, with, with local law enforcement participating, we set up a safe house for this gal. And I made a phone call to this guy to say, hey, I need your help and I need it now to protect this woman. And within the hour, he and this other gentleman were there. And we, we set up a, a house as a safe house and we were able to protect this woman as long as she needed it. That is being your brother's keeper. That is an aspect. And that's the Hollywood thing. That's the thing that most men go, I could go out like that, having my brother's back. And I get it. I absolutely do. I'll come back from our sponsor break and I will talk about some of those details uh, very specifically. So first and foremost, uh, I have blessed with three sponsors. Uh, my first sponsor is John Lee O'Reilly with Gentle Response De-Escalation Training Par Excellence. You need to take that training regardless of whether you are in law enforcement or not. De-escalation training is a very, very needed skill that oftentimes we overlook. We get squared away with, with, our, with our hands, with a firearm, with a blade, and we forget that more wars have been caused by people's mouths than by bombs. Um, secondly, got your six coffee. I'm sitting here, uh, absolutely in love with this coffee. Uh, they literally say that there's, that there is a purpose in every cup that there are. And, um, um, it's coffee with purpose. I love some of their sayings. I'm trying to remember what they are. And, uh, as I sit here, I absolutely love this company. I love their mission. Um, they change lives using coffee and uh, I've seen people coming back from depression, from suicidal thoughts. I've seen people whose lives have been changed. I've seen people who, who've put their lives on hold that have come out and volunteered and helped and gone to events and come back and gone, wow, I needed this. I'm going to go live my dreams now because I look around and, and, and have this, I found my mission. I found my purpose. They take the net profits from their coffee past what it costs to survive and they give it away to law enforcement, firefighter, EMT, paramedic, and and, uh, and veteran causes. Absolutely love this company. Shout out to you, Eric Cadley, for starting the company. I drink their coffee every day because I know that it changes a life. And thirdly, Shield Force International, Matt Combs, a friend, a mentor, um, very, very skilled, one of the nicest, most dangerous men I know, and we need more good, dangerous people in this world. To, uh, to borrow a phrase from Byron Rogers. And uh, so if you are in law enforcement, you need to get a hold of Shield Force International and uh, you need to train with them. He is have instructor world travel. Uh, he goes all over the country and I could not even begin to tell you how many different certifications he has. But one of the big ones that you need to be looking at is surviving the ambush. So coming back, talking about being your brother's keeper the the hollywood version the thing that we that we think about the most when we think about having having that is you won't fight alone i have your back and and i have been in many situations where i've looked at an officer and there's just been a nod that was exchanged between us and that's 
you don't need to say anything. You know that that person has your back. And it's one of the worst feelings when you're in an environment where somebody doesn't have your back. I've been in them. Um, and I don't mean the bar fight baloney. That's, that's stupid posturing social, you know, social violence garbage. It gets people hurt. I mean, someone's life is genuinely in danger. And uh, I've had neighbors call me and say, hey, my wife is home. She just heard a, a sound. She's, she thinks somebody may be in the house. Will you please go check it out? Because they know that I can get there faster than, than law enforcement can. Of course, brother, I will go check. Um, you know, I've done that many times. Or um, I have ridden in many a police car and been in many a situation where law enforcement has been threatened, where somebody has, somebody has decided, it's weird, bad guys don't like to go to jail. And people who know they're going to go back to prison on, on uh, parole violations, they, they don't feel like they have anything to lose. And they will come after police officers. Um, I have been in environments where I've had police officers back. As a matter of fact, uh, less than a week ago, I was traveling and it was outside of my area a little bit within a couple of hours where I live. But I was at a set of gas pumps and I truly believe the Lord put me there to be my brother's keeper. And as I was standing at the pumps, I swung around and pulled in and I'm looking around and I've got my, my radar out, you know, being situationally aware. And this guy steps out of his vehicle and probably was strung out on drugs, um, had the tweaker appearance, and those in law enforcement will know what I mean. Um, no shirt, very disheveled, um, wild out of control hair, obviously was not grooming himself. Um, was wearing a pair of jeans, no, no socks or shoes. And so I, I immediately pinged him as somebody who might be desperate. Now, I'll help somebody like that if they need it, but I also noticed that sticking out of his back pocket of his right rear pocket of his jeans was the butt of a pistol and of a, of a uh, semi-automatic pistol. And uh, I noticed he was peeking around the corner and at another set of pumps um, over from him and at this large regional gas station where he was at, um, he was peeking at an officer and the officer had pulled up, the officer's partner had gone inside of the store and the officer did not know the man was there. And he, he was peeking around the side of it, just kind of a one eyeball peek, looking at the officer. And this is either tweaker paranoia, or this is someone who is potentially gonna ambush the officer. And I'm watching the guy and I'm thinking, brother, you don't have a clue that I'm here. Now I was concealed carrying. And I, I was surprised the guy didn't ping me because since I was 17 years old, and uh, I'm 42 now. People have asked me if I was a cop. Um, and uh, even at a time when I wasn't necessarily pro-law enforcement, people have asked me if I was a cop. So uh, I was standing there watching this guy and thinking, don't do it. You know, and, and I'm looking at the guy. There's nobody else in the vehicle. Um, the other person with him had gone inside the building. Beyond him is a brick backdrop. I know if I have to if I have to shoot this guy, I'm probably not going to miss. But if I do, there's a brick backdrop that I'm not worried about. Uh, it going through this wall and I all the stuff is going through my head and if you've been in these situations you know what I mean and so the guy gets back in his car and I go walking over to the police officer and I, I spoke to him I said hey how's it going and I put my hands up to either side and I held my them palm towards him with my fingers splayed so that he would see I have no weapon and he's like hey what's going on and he looks down at my waistband and noted, and I was wearing a, a t-shirt over my, over my sidearm, noted that he could see the, the top edge of my handgun. And I nodded 
at him as he looked back up like, yes, I'm armed. And uh, he's like, hey, what's going on? What can I do for you? And I said, hey, I just want to let you know. I said, there's a gentleman over here at this set of gas pumps. He was peeking at you. I said, um, very tweaker-esque. And he kind of goes, oh. And I said, and he has a handgun in his back pocket. And he says, really? And he orients himself. Now, he can see me, but he orients himself towards that set of gas pumps. And I said, just so you know, I said, I'm not law enforcement, but I'm a civilian police chaplain within a couple of hours of here. And I named a couple of towns. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And I said, I know your partner's inside. And I said, if something goes sideways, I have your back. And he said, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And he glanced at me and nodded. And, uh, and then uh, we talked for just a moment. I made sure he knew which set of gas pumps. And then I went back over to the pumps to continue to pump gas. And um, in my state, open carry is not illegal. In my state, carrying without a, a permit is not illegal. And that's one of the, the double edges of freedom is freedom can be dangerous, but I'll take dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. Um, I'll die on my feet before I'll live on my knees. And uh, I, I'm a patriot and it comes in a very close second to being a God-fearing man. And so I go back to the pump and I'm pumping gas and this guy gets out of his vehicle again, was oblivious to my conversation with the police officer. And he goes to peek again at this officer. I'm pretty sure he had warrants, uh, if nothing else, paranoia. I had, might've had paraphernalia in the car. And so I'm watching him and he's, he's peeking and I just basically rolled my shirt back and exposed my, my firearm. Did not put my hand on it, didn't need to. In my state, that is not brandishing. I was not threatening him in any way. I was just making sure I had the fastest access to it possible. And I wanted him to see that I was armed. Why? Because I was being my brother's keeper. And so this guy glanced at me and I'm, I was just standing there looking at him intently, nothing menacing, but he was aware of the fact that I was looking at him and he glanced down and saw my firearm, made a, a little face like, uh, dang it, there's two of them. And he got back in his car and he sat there. Now, am I saying there was gonna be an ambush, attempted murder on this police officer? No. Was the guy giving indicators that he might be? Yeah. And so I don't know what happened afterwards. The, the officer, when his partner came back out, they waited in the parking lot and they did follow the vehicle out of the parking lot. They were probably looking for probable cause to pull it over because I know I would have been. Ah, coffee's a break. That is an aspect of being your brother's keeper. I have sat in police cars and I kind of coined this phrase that dadgummit, it needs to be in a song. Um, and if you're a songwriter out there, think about it, make this happen. But it... It needs to be in a song. I was sitting with a young officer once and I told this story a thousand times to different officers over the years and I may well have shared it in this podcast before, but I said, um, he comes back to the vehicle, was dealing with some bad people, uh, backup was a ways out and, and he was expressing to me the, his concerns, valid concerns with the situation and I said, hey, I said, um, and of course I was allowed to be armed with that department and uh, uh, drew my firearm, laid it on my leg, had a grip on it where it was not going to fall out of my hand. My finger was indexed up on the slide where I'm not going to accidentally shoot myself or him if I if we take incoming fire. And I'm like, I'm like, I've got you. And I said, I'll bleed my last before you'll fight alone. And sometimes you say stuff and you're like, I don't even know where that came from. And and it was comforting to him and I in that moment. And I will tell you that when you know that someone has your back that they that you're not going to fight alone that they will fight for you to the end if you've experienced that you know what i mean that is a very real aspect of being your brother's keeper 
I was with an officer recently. Um, I've, I've, I've spent 10 years beside the badge as a chaplain, and it was my first active shooter that I responded to uh, with this officer. And uh, I had just stepped into a bathroom. We were at another event. We were at, at an event in that community. Kind of, uh, he was providing some security, and I was providing very low level, very, uh, very low level, very low profile, hidden security because I didn't have a vest on or anything. And, um, and I, I can be eyes and ears for officers at that time because I disappear into the crowd. All of a sudden he, he yells my name, we've got a call and I take off running to catch up to him. Thank God that I stay in shape. I try to stay war ready. We'll talk about that more in another episode, but I take off running to catch up with this much younger man. And he tells me that he is responding to an active shooter. Now you may come from a department that doesn't allow ride-alongs or, or you'd have to kick me to the curb at that point and have to go by yourself. I get it. There are departmental policies. In my area, these are small communities with, with bare bones departments that don't have a lot of extra equipment. And so I, uh, I am not wired to stay out of the vehicle and he knew, he knows me. He's like my little brother. And if you're listening to this buddy, you know who you are. And I jumped in the vehicle with him. It never entered my head to, to get out of the vehicle and not go with him because I am my brother's keeper. And we go flying to the scene. Um, the shooting was over. It was a domestic dispute. And uh, there was one injured party. We were able to get them the care that they needed. Um, I have ridden with a department at 10 years beside the badge. And within the last couple of weeks um, was in my first pursuit. And uh, we, we got in on the back of it and, uh, and they captured them very quickly. The way my brain works, uh, with my background in training, I'm there to protect the officers. I am my brother's keeper. I, I don't know a better analogy or handle to hang on what I do uh, because emotionally, physically, spiritually, I'm there to be my brother's keeper. I'm there to be a guide, a role model, a mentor, and if necessary, to throw hands, if necessary, to throw down, if necessary, to lay my life down. Uh, scripture says, greater love hath no man than that he would lay down his life for his friends. We tend to think of that as dying. I mentioned this in a, in the a previous broadcast about being a husband, um, a godly husband and father. But laying down your life for your friends can be so much more than just physically dying. It can actually be, it can actually be, it can actually be living a life of sacrifice. And that's the kind of thing that I wish more people would stop and think about, especially as guys. We're like, yeah, I'll go out in the blaze of glory protecting my friends and, and brother, you'll never fight alone. And I'll drive the wheels off this car, which is something I heard one night. I was like, man, that needs to be in a song. And uh, we need some law enforcement anthems. We need some I've got your back songs right now in our culture. Uh, and I've seen situations where um, mutual aid departments have run to each other's rescue a hundred times easily in life or death situations and come screaming in at great peril to themselves. Um, that's a very real thing. And the night of that pursuit, I'm looking at other situations outside the situation. Have you got your long gun? Do you have spike strips? Is everything good here? And as the officers, we, we screamed to a stop and the officer jumped out and is going to back up like seven or eight other officers that are, that are, that are converging on this vehicle that's been running people off the road and running probably for the better part of an hour uh, from law enforcement. Um, I reached and I, the shotgun was straight up and down in the, in the vehicle, uh, muzzle down to the floor. And I just pulled it up, turned it where the officer could get a hold of it without flagging himself or myself. 
and he took off with it. I didn't. Why? I am not a police officer. I do not carry a commission. Now, was I armed with that department? Sure. Would I have backed him if it was only him or one other officer or so? Yeah, absolutely. To the hilt. But at the same time, I'm not a police officer. And there were, I don't know, eight, nine of these guys that converged on the vehicle. They didn't need me. But what did I do? As soon as they had, had secured the vehicle and there was not going to be any ramming of vehicles and, and continued pursuit, I stepped out, used my flashlight. It was at night and indicated to people, you know, with flicking the flashlight and, and motioning people back to turn around and go, the road is completely blocked. And I helped with scene security, watching their backs, because we live in a day and age where there are goober smooches that want to come up and try to assassinate officers while they are doing their job. So I am my brother's keeper. And two quick thoughts on that. This one has run long as well. I guess I'm feeling quite chatty. But uh, I was at the scene one night and it really resonated with me powerfully. I was at the scene of a, uh, an arrest. Um, there had been an individual that he was, he kept running from law enforcement every time that he would see them coming. And he had assaulted a couple of individuals pretty, pretty bad. And so they actually used a, an unmarked unit to get up close to him. And a plainclothes officer was able to walk up and arrest him quite, uh, quite cleverly. But I was standing there providing scene security. And while the officers were dealing with witness statements and all these things, I was keeping an eye on them and watching their backs. And they know I do this. And I was wearing, a, at the time, I was wearing an unmarked vest. I used to have this coyote tan unmarked vest. And it, it differentiated me heavily from the police officers. And this guy walks up and looks at me. And I was armed standing there. And he goes, help me out here. I got a question for you. What are you? And I may have mentioned this in a prior episode, but um, it was one of those things that it really, it really helped some things to fall into place for me mentally about what all I do. And so as I'm standing there watching the back, uh, the backs, plural of these police officers, very much with their blessing and appreciation, he's like, I got a question for you. Can you help me out here? And I'm like, sure. What do you got? And he goes, what exactly are you? He said, obviously they are all police officers, but, and he said, you're wearing a vest, but it's not like their vest at all. It's built completely different. You're not carrying the way they carry. They're carrying on their hip. You're carrying appendix and you're watching. He's like, I just realized you're protecting them. What exactly are you? And I said, well, I'm a civilian police chaplain. I have a background in executive protection. My training is to protect other people, not, not seen, not more like scene security, more bodyguard style, real, not, not the glorified bouncer. Um, there's some squared away bouncers, but I mean, not the cliche. And I kind of talked about my background a little bit and he's like, okay, that makes sense. He said, I was looking at you and watching what you're doing and going, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. What exactly are you? And I laughed. And, uh, so we had a quick chat and, um, and I explained who I was and what I have done. Well, it, since then, my my law enforcement departments I work with uh, have actually gotten together and got me a vest. And I got a patch for the front of it and back of it that says chaplain. And um, they wanted me to, to be outfitted at the same quality that they had. And they wanted it to match them. I even had a department offer to get me a badge that says chaplain. And I said, no, I appreciate that. There's already people that don't understand what a chaplain is, and especially my flavor of chaplain that would literally lay his life down for the people that he cares about. 
um, that they already don't understand it. I've had people go, oh, there's Paul again out there playing cop. And, and the guys that I work with are like, you don't have a clue what Paul does. You know, he's there and he, he has the thing we need before we know we need it. He's got the door open. He's shining the light in so that the, the, the individual we've arrested doesn't, doesn't hit their head, doesn't stumble. He's opening the trunk and pulling out the medical bag. Um, you know, he's providing scene security. We can't tell you how many times he saved our bacon, small pun intended. And uh, so there are people that already don't understand what I do. And so I, I am very careful when I go out and do these things to have the backs of these officers and not let it get out of hand. And uh, so I've taken some ridicule for it, but largely there have been people that have been like, wow, that's the coolest thing I think I've ever seen. And I've had parents and siblings and spouses thank me for, for protecting their, the, the officer, their loved one. Um, those are aspects of being a brother's keeper that I think we think about most of the time, but it's, how you doing, buddy? How's it going? And, it, and if you find that your friend is coming in and he's coming in hungover every morning, he's got an alcohol problem. If a person is turning to addictive behaviors, if you gamble a little, if you smoke a little, if you drink a little, these are things that I don't do because I have an addictive personality. But if you know somebody who drinks constantly, is, is constantly in tobacco, and I don't mean they smoke on the regular, it's not healthy for you, but... I mean that they're, that they're turning to any addictive behavior that they can find to try to cope with things. They are shoving excrement into their heart. They have a hole in their heart. They're hurting, and they're shoving excrement into it in an effort to fill that void. I believe that void is best and only filled by a relationship with God. I make no apology for that. That's what I truly believe because I've experienced it, and I've seen what that relationship can truly do for a person. But at the same time... When we don't have our priority our priorities right and we're we're running to lots of sex outside of a relationship um we're actually hurting ourselves i've seen so many times where guys and, and gals have done this and they're playing the field constantly it seems like a lot of fun for a while it is fun for a while and then we end up souring on it because we're like oh my word and i've seen that so many times in the lives of my friends um, running to too much alcohol or too much gambling or whatever. We need to be, we need to be checking on our brothers and sisters behind the badge and being that brother's keeper. Um, and that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean being a smart butt. That doesn't mean being a jerk. And that doesn't mean being a busybody. If the person pushes you away, fair enough. But I have seen officers that have reached out to me and said, nobody in my department cares that, that I've started drinking too much. Uh, nobody in my department, and, and I don't know how to get out of this because that's I've seen this really truly truly terrible thing, and I don't know how to deal with it. And just about any addiction that you can name, and I would argue all of them, uh, porn, that whatever we're running to that's harming us is actually a symptom of a problem where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, to the law enforcement out there that are listening to this, you look over and you see smoke rolling off the back of a house and you fly up to the house and you look and the house is on fire and you're banging on the door and you're calling the fire department and you're trying to get your fire extinguisher out and you're trying to save the people in the house. The smoke isn't the problem. It's it's a symptom of the problem. And these, are, these abusive, uh, destructive things that we do to ourselves, they are very harmful. And so we need to find positive, healthy coping mechanisms, and that can be volunteering. Uh, I talked to an officer Sunday that he was he was being paid by his department or being paid by the church, uh, rather, to 
uh, be at our church with the blessing of his department to protect us. And as I was working my security detail alongside him, we were talking. I said, it probably feels pretty good to see people that are not, um, that don't have felony warrants, to see people that are actually good people. And he's like, brother, like you don't even know. He's like, happy families, people walking in, kids playing, because what do you respond to as a police officer most of the time? Unhappiness the worst days of people's lives. And if you're not careful, you can lose faith in humanity. You're dealing with the two or 3% of society that's insane. You are dealing with the people who are the frequent flyers that you're like, I've arrested this guy 15 times and I've only been at this department for two years. You deal with the worst aspects of humanity. So find positive coping, coping mechanisms, go out and join a cycling club, go out and and do things that you can enjoy because guess what? You're not going to find real fulfillment behind the badge because you'll bust somebody and they'll get off on a technicality. You, you can find part of your fulfillment there, but you're not going to find it all. You have to develop positive coping mechanisms for these things. And once you do, and as you do, uh, you can share those and those things can become, and for everybody, they're slightly different, but those can be the, the kinds of things that can bless you. So as I'm recording this, there's a gnat for whatever reason in my studio, it's going to have to die. I'm going to have to take it out. And uh, it is trying to interrupt me while I do my podcast. But as you find those positive coping mechanisms, and as you stay fit, and you do these different things, um, by the way, physical exercise can be great for keeping your mind where it needs to be as you self improve with podcasts, hopefully this one with, um, with, um, um, audiobooks. And, and if you're like me, I listen to a lot of sermons. Um, my new church that I go to, I've been at less than two years, coming up on two years. And um, they have three or four years of sermons that I haven't heard. But guess what? They have them online. And I can listen to those things. And it makes a better poll. I'm always feeding this because when you can keep your mind in the right place, you can be a blessing to others. And you can overcome your nightmares. You can overcome your demons. And as you develop those things, especially you, you officers that have been doing this for a long time and have developed positive coping mechanisms, you can be your brother's keeper. It's so much more than the physical. It's so much more than, than physically having that officer's back. We'll give you one more physical thing. You need to be the best fighter, the best de-escalator, the best negotiator, the, the best with your hand-to-hand -hand skills, with knife defense, with, with your taser. You need to be the best that you know with the best person you know with um, not with all of these things, but you need to be the best person as well with um, with your firearm. Because if you qualify once a year and you shoot 50 rounds beforehand, and then you go qualify and you're okay. What happens under stress when your heart rate is up here and you've run for, for two blocks to get to the scene because you couldn't stay in your vehicle and your, your friend, uh, this officer from another department even, their life is in danger and you don't have the firearm skills to go the distance. It's not being a very good brother's keeper. So think about that. You owe it to yourself and your family and your department to be in the best shape and to be at the top of your game. So I'm gonna pray us out. Um, and uh, I hope that you enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed sharing it with you. This series of four podcasts talking about being a man of God, a, a husband, a father, and your brother's keeper. So 
Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. I am going to pray us out. So dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for being the awesome God that you are, for your word, for the things that you teach us, for the positive coping mechanisms you gave us. It's weird. You created us. It's like you know us. And science keeps proving over and over that so many things in your word literally are things that humans need to be doing to be where they need to be. So I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord God, that you would choose me. I nobody from nowhere, and you would give me a microphone. You'd give me an opportunity to bless others. I thank you that I get to be my brother's keeper. So, Lord God, I ask that you would bless and protect those who put on a badge every day, who don a uniform of service to protect us. And, Lord God, I ask that you would protect them supernaturally, as I always pray that you would bend the bullets around them, that you'd cause the bad guy to stumble and the bad guy to fall, that you would you would expose the ambush of the bad guy before they get to these officers and help these officers to keep their heads on a swivel. Give them a super natural uh, feeling as these things come about that they would know that they are in danger and they would be able to act before it happens i ask these things in the one name that makes it possible in your son jesus name amen guys i love you i will talk to you on our next podcast by the way i've got a really cool one coming up that you're not going to want to miss thank you for listening to the beside the badge podcast stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast